Hey guys, aren't you nice for showing up this week? Good to see you. Good to be seen. Good to talk to you. I'm gonna put this, uh, my desk lamp, which is my writing, uh, what is it? Drafting table. I'm gonna put this lamp on me. I've realized I'm really jealous of musicians for having light on their face too. It's another reason I'm jealous of musicians. <laughs> They're in the spotlight. I will say I love a sp I love the feeling of a spotlight. Occasionally when I'm, God, if anybody ever saw this shit, I would crumble into a million pieces and want to die, but and not much embarrasses me. Like normally I'll just, I'll do things and if people see me, who cares? But occasionally, it's usually like an all day work thing, working in my studio and, I always have those clamp lights, those little dome clamp lights around, even though I've got pretty good lighting in the studio, but in the past I never did, so I only used those. I have them on like tripods. And, you know, if I'm listening to some sort of music that's really connecting with me, <laughs> I will use the tripod with the bright, bright lights on it and kind of use it as a microphone and making me feel like I'm a stage, you know, just performing my balls off like you wouldn't believe. Like I think I'm Rihanna or something. And um, Frank Ocean is often who puts me in this mood, by the way, specifically the album Blonde. And these are the moments that I hate the most. Okay, I'm taking this light off myself. It's just feeling insane. Um, these are the moments that I hate in TV shows and movies where it's no offense to those of us who identify as women, but it's usually a female is usually a teenage female who they show just like dancing around and being crazy. And I'm just the, the, like, I don't use this word a lot, but the amount of cringy feelings I have during those moments, I can't even explain. It's really appalling to me when I see it. And I, I don't know why it's not like it's horrible. It's very, obviously it's relatable. That's what I do all the time, but um, Freaks and Geeks has uh, one of those moments, and it's actually with a beautiful Grateful Dead song. Um, the main character, Lindsay Weir, she's like starts dancing in this way in her bedroom that just makes me want to throw up, and I never want to throw up, so it's a big deal how much I hate it. Anyway, that's the story on that one. I don't know why I was talking about that. I'm just thanking you guys for being here. You are my audience, but you are also my friends. And I love hearing from you. You guys have been, it's funny. I've heard more from people over the last couple of weeks when I'm, you know, I know for a fact I'm not going to get back to anybody anytime soon. It's going to be months. Just FYI, if you are even are my close friend, you're not going to hear from me. I mean, it's going to be a while. I am in the depths of drawing in a way I haven't been since I made my hell drawing. So it's crazy. And by the way, massive apologies for my podcast last week. I don't know why. Maybe people were reaching out after that one just because of how pathetic it sounded and how I sounded really like I was, you know, half in the grave. But I appreciated hearing from you guys. And nobody said anything about the podcast. Nobody said, are you okay? Or, hey, I love that podcast. Nobody liked the podcast. Um, nobody should have. I have never done a worse podcast, maybe maybe never, as my last week's podcast. So apologies for that. I'm not saying the stuff I read was bad. I'm just saying I was so not interesting. I almost didn't publish it, but I always make this deal with myself and with anybody who's listening. This is the real me on whatever day I publish it. 
So right now, by the way, it's Tuesday, the 21st. It's uh, mid-afternoon. I'm starving, although I ate a good breakfast. I'm on a little detox cleanse for myself. Not a cleanse. It's not like I'm drinking, you know, ginger and lemon juice, gin, whatever it's called, lemonade, lemon juice, whatever. I'm not doing a cleanse in that way. I've made up my own cleanse. Damien helped me do a little research on what kind of feelings I'm, I'm having and what I need right now because I was feeling... Well, you heard it last week. I, I'm feeling, I mean, I know that I'm working crazy hours and I'm exhausted, but I, I felt beyond sluggish. I felt bloated. I felt weird in my own body. I felt un, easily annoyed, uncomfortable with myself, uncomfortable in my own skin. My whole stomach area just feels gross and weird. And, and I just kept eating shitty foods. I mean, it, it was... I think this is the worst I've ever been when it comes to this kind of topic. So one at one point, a couple days ago, I just said, I, I can't do this anymore. And I asked Damien for help because I seriously don't feel like I have time to even do a little research online about this. So we kind of came up with a plan for me and it began today. It kind of started la actually last night at dinner, but today was the beginning. So anyway, I'm trying to feel better and hopefully that will also aid in my ability to record this. But the other part about being so frazzled, you might be thinking to yourself, if you're this busy, how do you have time to record the podcast? And the truth is I don't, but for whatever reason, this happens to be a priority of mine. And it's, it's happening no matter if I want to or not. But I did decide that this collage style is better. So that's why I'm recording on a Tuesday. I'm gonna say a few things, say hello and bow out, but keep this open and then come back to it, you know, when I feel like it. So this is the deal. So anyway, this is me establishing, hello, I'm trying this again because I think it will be more entertaining. I do want to start by saying, since I will be publishing this on Thursday, the 20, sorry, again, I don't know the day, 23rd. So the day before, yeah, the day before uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, I will be announcing the winner of the contest we've had going on. Anybody who ordered any of my 2021 headstone cards, greeting cards, you guys are in the running. However many you ordered, you're in the running that many times. And I will be announcing the winner via Instagram Live at some point on Friday. If you listen to this long enough, maybe I'll, I will decide the time I'm going to do that by publishing moment on Thursday. But um, Christmas Eve, I'll announce the winner and whoever wins gets a $4,000 valued at $4,000 drawing. And uh, I hope you won't sell it on eBay or wherever you sell your fine art. <laughs> but if you, if you do, I, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can get a quick buck maybe, maybe, but also doubtful. Um, by the way, I've recognized to any artists out there who work with graphite and actual pencils, hold on a second. Hey, okay, hold on just one second. So I've been getting much more intimate with real pencils that you have to sharpen, right? I've got an electric sharpener by my side at all times. I've got two of them actually. And it's just nonstop sharpening, drawing, sharpening, drawing, sharp, 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 sharp. It's insane. It was why I worked with mechanical pencils, by the way, because I couldn't afford the, the time it takes to sharpen them with the kind of work I made for all those years. This time I'm giving it over, you can't, I can't work on canvas. I'm, ma I'm making a drawing on canvas for those of you who are not in the know. I'm working on this largest drawing of my life. It's on canvas, 
stretched to the wall at this point so that I can use the wall as a stability behind, you know, a hard surface behind the canvas. Anyway, uh, mechanical pencils just poke right through it and kind of tear the canvas. So I am now working with regular pencils for the first time after a 25 year career working on graphite drawings. I'm for the first time using regular ass pencils, <laughs> regular ass pencils. And, um, I'm sharpening them all the time and I'm noticing, does anybody else have this experience? These pencils smell like body odor to me. When you sharpen them, I'm like, what is, is this me? What the hell is going on? I've been as busy as I am. I do take a shower every day. So I don't know what's going on. I was like, I hope this isn't me. It's not me. It's the, it's the pencils and it's the trash can full of pencil shavings and it's the electric pencil sharpener. I used to have a ladder in my studio. I still have this ladder. And so I can prove it to you. If you ever come over, come on by to uh, my house and you will be able to smell that my ladder smells like chili cheese fries or a chili cheese hot dog, chili cheese products. It smells like chili cheese. <laughs> it has, after about a year and a half of using it, it started to smell like that. I have no idea why. And I used to actually, the weirdest thing is I used to have a MacBook, um, an old white ancient MacBook also smelled like chili cheese hot dogs which smells a lot like body odor, actually. When you put those smells together, you'll notice, because I'm like, is this graphite smell? Is this body odor or chili cheese fries? So anyway, what kind of things do you guys think smell like other things? My favorite is dog pads. The paws of dogs smell like Fritos. And actually, even sometimes cats do. I've read about this online and I actually, some people are grossed out by that smell. I love it. My dog, Henry, God fucking bless him and RIP and rest his soul. And I fucking love you, Henry. And I cry for you all the time. And you were the biggest maniac and the biggest problem I've ever had. But holy shit, my love for this dog, you guys, has no bounds. My love for this dog is like, most people who have been just massively heartbroken, like in the most dirty of ways, like in the most awful, despicable, you want to die all the time still kind of ways. I've never experienced that, but I have with my dog, Henry. And it's very hard to talk about. And it is um, just, yeah, I'm still just destroyed by him. But anyway, um, I don't know how many of you guys know that story. I don't believe I've ever told it on here because I can barely get through the story, but a very devastating, like incomprehensible sort of thing happened. Anyway, um, Henry, oh my God, he had huge paws and his paws, he was a, just so you know, he was like maybe 55, 60 pounds, um, a lab mix, maybe had some pit bull in him. Uh, he looked like a hound dog too. He was a very interesting look, beautiful looking mutt. Maybe I'll put a photo. Let me, let me start writing. You know what? I do need to write a list of things I need to link while I talk this out. If this collage one is going to last a while, which it is, I plan on this being the, probably the longest one I've ever put out, but I'll write down, maybe I'll post on Instagram stories when I post this podcast. Uh, a Henry photo. But anyway, Henry was beautiful. He had eyeliner. You know, he had on like, you know, he was white with uh, tan 
markings and, and dots and stuff, but he had these black eyeliner on his eyes and these beautiful light brown eyes. It, he And he had the eyes of humans. Like he had pup- he had white parts of his eyes, which most dogs don't have. He was very freaky dog. A very, very, the most intense dog. I almost said human being. He was the most intense human being I've ever had as a dog. He's probably the most intense being I've ever been around, to be honest with you. I would say hands down he was, and those who knew him would agree. I've also had people tell me they've never in their life met anybody human who had more of an an, an uncanny and intense connection with their animal that I had than the one I had with Henry. And it was a slightly abusive on his part, not mine. Um, what if I just admitted I was abusive to an animal? Oh my God, can you even imagine? No, I once dropped a friend because of a story of animal abuse. Um, anyway, I will, I'm like animal abuse. I can't even, I can't even think about it. But anyway, it was a codependent and abusive relationship that I had with Henry and the most intense love I've ever experienced really. And, um, I don't know why I'm even talking about it. Oh yeah, his his paw pads smelled like Fritos and I won't go into detail, but trust me, I indulged in that. I'm not saying anything, I didn't like do anything gross. I just liked liked it when I smelled that. Truly, I mean, it's up there with like that petrichor smell, the smell of rain on concrete. It's It's, it's actually kind of similar when you think about it. It's a very, I don't know what, yeah, it's a dirty smell, but a good, good kind, good kind of dirty. All right, we're already 15 minutes in. I've done nothing really of uh, to be nothing noteworthy quite yet. But trust me, I'm getting there. I will say, when I do get around to reading the podcast of the day, you're gonna be excited because I'm definitely excited. And I don't know if I've been cursing. I was trying to not curse on this podcast for specific reasons that you'll find out soon, but damn it. Well, now I just, <laughs> that was not planned. I really, damn, I really wanted to not curse, but that's not going to happen. Um, okay. So anyway, I love you guys. I'll be back soon. All right, I'm back. I was going to tell you guys, what have I been listening to? Uh, for those of you that don't know, while I draw, I listen to TV. I occasionally look up at it, but for the most part, I'm only able to listen because I'm drawing. Uh, And it's a big, 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 big part of my life and my work. And I say a lot, and I'm not joking. I do sometimes wonder if I am an artist because it allows me to watch TV. I mean, I kind of think that that's the main draw for me, or at least it's the main reason I'm continuing to do it. (laughs) Maybe in the beginning, I really did want to be an artist. (laughs) No, I know I always do, but I will say it's the best part for me is just the, the, the fact that I get to watch like 18 hours a day of TV while I make, do my work. It's pretty great. A lot of people nowadays, um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do the same thing. Everybody works from home now, so I, I'm assuming. I mean, how many of you guys work while the TV's on? Maybe a lot of you. I'm going to take a sip of my decaf. Give me a minute. So I've been keeping something from you guys, uh, and it's been a secret. 
and um, it's, um, yeah, I've been lying a little bit. So here's the deal. We have a, str- a strange and wonderful place that we live. It's a, really, it feels like a compound. It's not huge at all. It's pretty small. But what, what happened when we were buying this house was all of a sudden, Damien was asking the real estate agent, you know, okay, this other house next door is really close to us. Who lives there and why is it so close? Because there's our house and then there's a driveway and then there's another house. That kind of, imagine what, like, it looks like a duplex kind of thing. And, but it faces our house. And the real estate agent, this is like when, you know, it was time to just, we, it's, it's done. It's a done deal. We decided this is our house. Um, and the real estate agent said, oh yeah, that's your house too. And we're like, um, another house? Okay. Now it's nothing special, but it's also nothing to scoff at. It's pretty awesome. It, you know, it has a laundry room. It has a bathroom. It has a kitchen. It has, this is where, when I talk about like a storage facility, that is where we store a lot of, you know, different things, L- little things, uh, nothing major, but Anyway, um, it's just a nice place to like put our Christmas tree or whatever. And it's also a place for my parents to stay when they come or friends. So anyway, we don't know what it's called. Like I never know what to call it, which is the only reason I've been lying to you guys. But I, I mention it a lot in passing, but I never say what it is. And I think it's called, I mean, it's a guest house. But that sounds so extravagant and and crazy that I didn't ever want you guys, my friends here, who listen to think like, okay, Robin's bawling. Damien's bawling. Damien's bawling more than Robin's bawling. We all know that. But we're not bawling, okay? So it's, but but we are very lucky and very grateful. It's a beautiful thing. So I wanted to tell you guys, I have a little recording that I'm going to, include here in a second and it came from we'll call it the guest house for lack of better words because um the new thing for me and I don't remember if I talked about it in this uh, little recording I did but my new fun thing that I want to share with you guys is that I you know and I'm used to living in the city in Los Angeles and so I'm used to being able to walk down to a cafe and getting you know, an afternoon drink or whatever. Um, not having that is a little bit sad. And I, and I'm sorry, as much as I'm, you know, a Starbucks supporter, (laughs) I, and former worker and former mug award recipient, I don't, and especially now with COVID, I mean, I don't want to go sit around in a cafe with my mask on. I just don't. That's not the same. I don't want to look at masked people. I want to, I want it to be, you know, 1997 again, and it's not. So anyway, I have now called the guest house Cafe Wendy. It's named after my mom, Wendy O'Neill, Wendy Diane O'Neill, my favorite person. And I go next door because I got them a Keurig. I'm not the biggest Keurig guy. I'm not into Keurig coffee. And especially I have all these issues with decaf coffee since I can't have caffeine. Most decaf coffee is so weak. It's like, 
It's like drinking hot water with a couple of, couple of like pieces of dirt in it that, that have maybe turned that water slightly brown in one area, but mainly it's just clear water. It's disgusting. Decaf coffee. Nobody knows how to make decaf coffee. So anyway, for the most part, I use my Nespresso and I make Americanos all day, decaf Americanos. Speaking of, I got mine right here in my Bluth Company mug. Who knows what Bluth Company is? I haven't seen Arrested Development in ages, but for, there was a time when I was very obsessed with it. It doesn't appeal to me right now. Like, I don't want to watch it right now. Anyway, back to the decaf. So my parents, I thought, okay, well, they have a Keurig at their house, so I got them a Keurig at this house for when they visit. And I went ahead and ordered some decaf because sometimes they'll do decaf as well. And it just occurred to me, well, like when I get it ready for guests, like recently Will stayed there and Erica stayed there and my parents stayed there. I am over there and I'll come back, I'll, you know, I'll make it look all cute and put out little snack baskets and stuff and put their favorite liquids in the refrigerator or whatever. Um, and I'll tell Damien, I'm like, God, I'm so jealous that Will gets to stay over there. And we always look at each other like, you know, you could stay over there anytime. You could just go over there, hang out. It's like having um, a little hotel or something <laughs> that's just about uh, 20 feet away from my studio door. So my newest thing is, and by the way, again, this all sounds very luxurious. If you saw it, I mean, and it is, it's a big deal, but I'm very lucky to have one house or studio, let alone another little excursion across the way. And I've turned it into Cafe Wendy and I go there. I don't do it in the mornings, but that's my afternoon break. I go over, I make a decaf coffee in the Keurig and I found a way to do it to where it's strong enough. And I sit there and I read, I've got books over there too, you know? And so I'll just have it as a little short. I mean, maybe five minutes to 10 minutes. Little mini break and I feel like I'm at a cafe. I feel like I'm out of my realm. And I used to do this, I mean, you can do this anywhere you live, really. I used to do this in a different place I lived um, where I would make a bento box lunch every day and I, and I would bring it up to my studio, which was in the guest bedroom of this house. And then I would take that into another room when it was lunchtime and pretend like that was like the break room. <laughs> it was so fun. So little things like that just make me... I, I think that I have a life of a pretender or something. I love pretending things still as an adult. A very rich fantasy life. Because when I go over to Cafe Wendy, like it, in my head, it's got like cafe noises going on and there are people around. And I mean, that's how it is. Just like, by the way, I still do that when I walk into my studio, first, especially first thing every day. I'm like, what's up, Brandon? What's up, Tony? What's up, Marissa? You know, pretending like I have assistance. There's nobody in this room. There's just me and a bunch of papers and books and art supplies. And I am, but I am talking to people. I'm ordering people around. It's just, I don't know. It just makes me happy. Uh, so that's my story on Cafe Wendy. And again, not bawling, but very fortunate. And, uh, you know, I've lived, I've lived my whole adult life, except for once in one house, really, really, um, as an artist needing bigger, 
walls and a bigger place to work and bigger place to store my work. And, you know, like I told you guys about this, this flat file, I've been putting up with a lot of less than what I need and being very happy with it and very productive with it for a long time. But I'm, you know, mid forties and it feels good to have the space to, to, uh, do what I need to do. It took a long time. It took a really, really, really long time. Um, but God, it just feels good. So I guess I'm here to celebrate that and to tell you guys my little strategy for my afternoon breaks, which just Cafe Wendy. I'll see you there. But FYI, I don't want to see you there if you're a stalker. So don't don't try to find Cafe Wendy. You'll never be able to find it. Well, did you guys see that I had to make a, a selfie? I had to make a selfie of myself for... Inman Gallery for that lion. Did I tell you guys this already? For the lion shirt, the hotel drawing shirt, which you can find, I'll put it in the description here. Um, yeah, I did not like it. This this whole thing with the selfie taking, you know, my gallery asked me to do it, and I was like, of course. I mean, if they're going to ask me to do something in order to get the word out about something, I'm going to do it. I mean, as long as it's not extreme. And it didn't sound extreme when I said I would do a selfie. And then, is do a selfie like an old person's term? I pr- it probably is. I don't know what else you say, though. But anyway, I agreed to it and then stressed out about it so hardcore. And then, you know, just thought, okay, number one, taking a selfie in a t-shirt for me feels so insane. Because all I'm trying to do is to, like, hide my chest but it is your chest. Your t-shirt is on your chest. But I'm also trying to not make it look so... Like, I don't want it to look like I'm trying to show you guys my my boobs. But they're there. And they're not small. And so I'm trying to, like, minimize that. You know, not that I'm ashamed of them. I, I'm not ashamed of them. It's just that the point is not to be like, look how sexy I am right now with my lion shirt on. Like, it, it's just not what I'm doing. Um... If I was trying to be sexy, I, I could be sexy, okay? Let's just face it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but let's imagine it is true. But you know what I mean? It's just a very, there's a lot going into this whole self. I have so many feelings about selfies, as you guys know. I find the vanity around selfies to just be out of control and disturbing on so many levels. And I really do mean that. And, I, you know, I think before when I've talked about it on here, I try to be nice. Like, but yeah, if you, you know, if you're into selfies and you're into selfies... <laughs> But I really think about it so much that I'm just going to own my own feelings about it, which is that there was a time very recently, the whole history of humanity until very recently with selfie culture. Is that even a culture? You know, we were not constantly viewing ourselves through the lens of what we would look like in a selfie. And now I know that even those of us who are almost immune to it are, like I do. And so when I took this selfie... I, you know, it took me a long time to find one that I felt comfortable with. And they, I looked horrible in all of them. And I don't know that I look horrible normally. Because even when I go to the bathroom and wash my hands, I don't look at myself. I mean, I just don't. And, you know, when you think about, like, anybody in the 60s, when you took a photo of yourself, when there was a photo taken of you... It was usually at an event where you kind of dressed up for it or you're feeling like taking it or it's a special moment. So it doesn't matter if you look like shit because it's a big, special, cute moment or something. But now 
every moment of your life, you're thinking maybe of what you could look like in a selfie. And you're thinking, you know, I feel shitty about myself or I feel hot or whatever. I just, it just doesn't seem like a good thing to have in our brains, right? So maybe I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying what happened to me was after that, it took like a full hour to get one selfie that I could deal with putting online. And I thought, well, it destroyed me. Honestly, that whole experience of taking a selfie ended up being so difficult on my psyche. Hold on. That I was not okay for like two days after that. I was very depressed, to be honest with you. You know, um, it doesn't matter. Like I, I am who I am. I like who I am. I don't like how I look. I never have and I never will. I doubt it. I doubt that I ever will. And, but normally I live a life where it doesn't matter. Like I feel Damien makes me feel beautiful. You know, I mean, that's, he just does. Even though I logically don't think I'm beautiful, but he, in his presence, I feel that way. He makes me feel that way. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. But I don't sit around thinking about myself as, I just recently listened to this interview with this writer and she's a very beautiful, like traditionally beautiful human being, right? She was a model too. And this whole discussion between the interviewer and this writer about her book had to do with like how she feels beautiful. And I found it really disturbing. But then again, I'm like, well, she is like, the, you know, I mean, she had a job as a model. She's a beautiful person. Um, the whole thing, I don't know. It, it just, it's all very weird. I never, again, and I, I keep thinking, I watch most of the things I watch are from times before now. And, you know, I just look at women's eyebrows in the 80s and how nobody tamed them, you know? Like in the 90s, we tamed them to extreme. But, like, you could never find somebody on TV without their eyebrows done in some specific way. I mean, even if you're going for the, like, bushy look or whatever. Is this a boring conversation? I don't know. I, I could go on and on and on about it. But the, the point is I felt so bad about myself after the selfie experience for days that I'm now on a detox diet that I was kind of mentioning earlier, I think, that has a lot to do with just feeling, it, I mean, it's not a weight loss thing. It's just a, I felt gross. I felt, you know, and I've spent my whole life feeling like a gross person. Um, and because of Al-Anon and just starting to learn to love myself a little bit more, I kind of got over that. And yeah, I mean, but human things make me feel gross. Very, I mean, I'm just not one of these people who loves the visceral qualities of being alive. Like I'm very disgusted by a lot of things, mainly about myself, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I just... I long for the days when it was never on my mind. I mean, I, I look back to me in college and I didn't do anything with myself. I just put on some clothes and went out the door and went to class and you probably looked like shit, but it didn't matter. You know, it was like, I'm there to learn. I'm, I'm there to become a young artist and to talk to people and to listen and to figure things out. But I don't feel like anybody gets to do that anymore. I... I I know those of us do who were older and stuff, but image is just seems so important these days, right? Your image, your how, how you dress, how you appear, who you are identifying as 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 a, like how you look. I don't mean sexual identity 
or genetic identity. I don't, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about like style. I mean, even I can't, I can barely find women on TV shows that don't have fake eyelashes on. Um, there's only one person on my soap opera who doesn't have fake eyelashes. They all have those extra eyelashes on their eyelashes. And it, I just find it all very disturbing. So, uh, anyway, that's it. That's it for that. Uh, I'll talk to you guys in a little bit. I was going to ask you guys a question. Uh, I was going to ask you guys a question. If so, some of you guys may remember, one of my favorite chocolates are those Lint, Lindor chocolates that are individually in little balls. I don't know if those are called truffles or what they are, but you know what I'm talking about? There's always commercials for them and they've got like a hard exoskeleton shell that is either you get whatever you like, dark chocolate, white chocolate. I like the dark uh, milk and dark. And then that's like a little thing. And then you, when you, when you bite into it, the inside, there's a little ball of soft, soft chocolate. Now, what is that stuff? Because that's what I eat it for. I basically don't even want to eat the outside skeleton part. I want or exoskeleton. I want to eat the soft part. So, is there? Does anybody know anything? Since I'm still kind of new to desserts and chocolates and stuff, what is that? And how do I get just that? Is there a way to get that kind of chocolate? I don't know how you would package that. Is that the whole point? Is like you gotta, you can only package it within harder chocolate? I don't know. Anyway, I am so obsessed with that. By the way, I'm not high. This sounds like high talk. This sounds like, you guys know I'm not high. I don't get high. But all of a sudden, I really do sound like I'm high. And I'm not. I'm just, I'm just obsessed with Lindor chocolates. The other day, um, by the way, I woke up. Did I? Yeah, I woke up and I did not want to get up, which is every day. But I was just kind of looking around the room, trying to wake up. And across from my view was um, an abacus that I made when I was a kid. And I remember being in about third or fourth grade and making this abacus because we were learning something about the origins of mathematics. And I, I, I did this as extra credit, I remember, and it's you know, made of balsa wood and little wooden beads, and it is a working abacus. I don't know how the hell I did it, but I did, and it has the word abacus on it with these, like, sticker font, you know, this, these stickers that are letters that are gold, and I really like those. I still love this abacus is what I'm saying, and the wooden beads are of different colors. They're, like, dark brown, orange, blue, green, white. And I was just looking at this abacus thinking about it's it's been hanging in every place I've ever lived my whole life, really. And I remembered the origins of it and my mom taking me to the craft store in Omaha, Nebraska. And that was the first time I learned about balsa wood. And I was just really fascinated with balsa wood and how light it was and how you could make anything. I remember if there's any sculpture gene in my body, it was like just fucking was on fire. I was like, God, I could do so much with this. I'm a little kid. I can't lift things, but I could make a lot with balsa wood. And I did end up using balsa wood for a lot of projects throughout my childhood. Um, but, and I was thinking about, I just want, I just wanted to be taken care of by my mom again in this really pathetic way. I was like, oh my God, to have, have a life, like to imagine, I mean, I was lucky enough to have a well- I, I was well cared for by my parents, right? Not everybody has that. But I 
wanted to feel that way again, where my only concern was like doing an extra credit assignment and I having to go to the craft store with my mom and my mom helping me and coming home and making something. And it was just seemed so simple and so sweet. And to imagine my mom taking me to the craft store for some reason, that was a big deal in my head that morning. And so, and then I got to work, I ate breakfast, I got to working and I couldn't stop thinking about my mom. So I give her a call and I decide I'm being serious, but I'm joking. I decide I'm, well, first I just caught up with her. And then I was like, so mom, the main reason I'm calling is I was thinking you and dad could come up here, stay with us and just take care of me for like six months. Like I'm a little kid. Or I didn't say like I'm a little kid. I was like, just take care of me. Just, you know, just be parents to me. And I thought she would maybe hear the (laughs) seriousness in it because there was a bit of seriousness in it. (laughs) She just goes, been there, done that. (laughs) She was not interested (laughs) at all. Which actually made me feel better because it snapped me out of my, you know, juvenile attitudes of, at the time. But um, I really like that. Another recent time, I'm very focused on my parents right now for whatever, in, in all sorts of ways. And the uh, maybe, maybe about a month ago, I just was in the living room and I just was thinking about my parents and how we're all getting older and my parents are healthy as can be, but, you know, they're... Seven, my dad's 70, my mom's 69. This is crazy to me. And I just started to cry like crazy. Like I'm talking really cry, which Lexapro doesn't usually allow me to do. <laughs> but this broke through the Lexapro and was like full on bawling, just like worried about my parents. Basically, I'm obs- basically, I am obsessed. I always have been like with the thought that when my parents are gone, I'm never going to be okay. I will not be okay. I just won't. And I, when I start thinking about it, I get really basically mentally ill. And anyway, I'm crying and crying. And Damien's like, well, why don't you just call them and talk to them and you're going to hear how healthy they are and everything will be much better then. And he was on his way out the door for something. So then I had a little time to myself and I was like, you know what? I will. I'm just going to call him and talk to him. So I call my mom's phone. No answer. Call my dad's phone. No answer, which is very rare. Um, and then I start, you know, getting my life together, doing some things. And then my mom texts me. She's like, oh, sorry we missed your call. We were on a date at Chili's and Walmart. They went to Walmart and Chili's on a date. And I was just like, of all the things I could hear back from from them, for those of you out of the country, well, everybody knows what Walmart is. Chili's is like a chain restaurant, like an American chain restaurant that I grew up around. It was just so regular and so funny and so cute. And so, you know, they're fine. They're at Walmart and Chili's and they're calling it a date. It was exactly what I needed. Little did my mom know. I'm like, okay, Robin, you're a psychopath. Like, just let your parents have a good time. They're living their lives so much better than you are. They're so much more put together. They're so much healthier, even though they're old. (laughs) And I'm not that old. You know what I mean? I just, long story short also, my mind is a little bit nuts lately. And I'll be honest with you guys. Some of you guys know this, some of you guys don't, but I'm in a 12-step program called Al-Anon. I've, I mention it all the time, but for those of you new, Al-Anon is a 12-step program for people who um, love alcoholics and are troubled by their relationship with alcoholics. And I have a lot of alcoholics in my life, always have. So I 
need these meetings. And we don't have meetings anymore because we are so shut down that meetings just are now completely canceled in my area and um, because of COVID. And it is so maddening. And I mean, from what I understand, at least up here where I live in between Seattle and British Columbia, it's true of AA meetings. And my sadness about those of us in certain kinds of recovery um, not having this is I am so profoundly sad about it. And I'm sad about it in an empathetic way thinking about, I mean, yeah, I'm a mess. I'm like mentally not sober unless I have these meetings and regularly do what we're supposed to do and, you know, engage with others who have these same problems. But like people who are sober from real addictions, I really to not have this is just devastating. So I'm just very concerned about basically my community of 12-step people. And if any of you guys are listening, and I know there are plenty of 12-steppers who listen to this, um, my heart goes out to you if if you're not at meetings. And my jealousy heart goes out (laughs) towards you if you do get to go to meetings and be normal. Because I mean, we've been watching these uh, cams, live cams across the country. And I can't find a damn cam that has people with masks on, except for the ones uh, near here. I mean, even Southern California, we we watch these bars and people don't have masks on, in Orange County anyway. Um, I'm sure they do in Los Angeles. Anyway, the whole thing is like, I'm just very confused. I'm like, wait, what? I, I, I just feel like I'm dreaming half the time. I don't know what's real. I don't know who... Some people don't seem like they believe in COVID. Some people do. We seem, I'm glad we've been strict, obviously, but this seems maybe overly strict here. I have no idea. I I just feel like I'm imprisoned and not, and really this is all coming from my desire to be healed by the program that helps heal me and saved my fucking life because it did. You guys, again, for anybody new or if you're like, oh, God, I just realized I have a lot of alcoholics in my life, just search me reading stuff and Al-Anon and you'll find my episode of when I explain the Al-Anon program and what it did for me. Um, But anyway, I'm sorry to go on and on. I've also been watching Intervention to try to, that TV show Intervention, to try to like connect with that part of me that, you know, is very scarred from my history with alcoholics. And it just breaks my heart. I mean, first of all, that's one of the saddest shows, one of the most heart-wrenching and actually really, at times, so uplifting and beautiful. Um, But that's the kind of like human nature, grittiness, visceral stuff of life that I actually love being immersed in. But as I watched that show, you guys, I lived for so long. I I watched that show religiously in its first, like, five seasons, um, not realizing that I was in um, several alcoholic relationships, you know. And I I watched it as entertainment, I guess. They bring up Al-Anon. They bring it up all the time that those of us who love alcoholics are just as sick as the alcoholics, if not more so. They bring it up in every episode. I never noticed it. I never knew that applied to me. 
which is so weird. I mean, everybody has those kind of experiences as you get older where you're living a life at a certain certain frequency. Um, and it, because you're in the frequency, you don't know it until you're out of it. And then you're like, holy shit, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> I mean, how many here in the audience <laughs> have wondered at a certain point, you look back on your life and you're like, what the fuck was I doing? And I think about that friend of mine who used to pretend to have stomach problems so that he could just be in the bathroom by himself all the time. Remember that story? I mean, holy moly. Oh, you know what? I, I'm going to now attach the... Uh, God, this... I, I forgot to attach the part where I read from Cafe Wendy. Okay, it's going to be... It's a Mark Strand poem. I'm going to stick that in here right now. All right, so... There's coffee in the background. I'm next door making coffee. Okay, sorry for the noise. So I'm reading from a book called Solitude. Uh, it's an everyman's library pocket poet book. It's so cute. Uh, this is 2005. And there's a Mark Strand poem in here. And I really love it. So here we go. It's called Hour. The extra hour given back to eternity, the hour gained by traveling west, the hour of the imagined empire, the deepest hour of the darkest sea, the guilty hour that precedes catastrophe, the hour that it takes to go from here to there, the haunted hour of the knowledge of death, the hour in which the moon darkens, the hour that moves through the mind like cloud shadow, the blue hour that rests on the roof of the house. The hour that is the mother of minutes and the grandmother of seconds. The swollen hour of pain. Enough. Enough. The hour when mice run in the walls. The bronze hour of electrical weather. The cloistered hour of the nun's great moment. The necklace of hours the widow wears. The numbing hour of a night in Nome. The sound of hours and the breathing of plants. The central hour that exists without you. The hour in which the universe begins to die. The hallucinatory hour that hangs forever. The hour of excess that equals two of self-examination. The hour that flashed on the skin. The hour of final music. The hour of painless solitude. The hour of moonlight upon her body. I mean, come the fuck on. Mark Strand, I'm in love with you. Okay, guys, I hope you liked my little Cafe Wendy experiment. We'll do that more. I, I, I specifically have a lot of anthology, poetry anthology books next door. So it's kind of a fun, like, quick, just get in there, get out of there. And if I see something I like while I'm over at Cafe Wendy, I'll do it. Okay, we're on to question corner. Question corner. It's been a while. Um, when was the last time you yelled at a stranger in public? Yeah, when was the last time you got so incited by something you just had to yell at somebody? Um, I'm not saying that's an awesome thing, but I do love hearing about these things. And kind of like I used to cry a lot in public, I used to do that a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> normally if somebody's just being treated horribly, I'll yell at the person who's doing that. Did I tell you guys about the time recently where 
Damien and I yelled at this asshole in Starbucks. Oh my God, it was so fun. He was so cruel to the Starbucks employees. We couldn't even believe it. And so, and then he saw us like laugh. We were kind of like laughing at, in disbelief at how he was being. And he goes, oh, you think that's funny? And we're like, hell yeah, we think it's funny. We, you're ridiculous. You're a grown man acting like a child. Anyway, I can't remember if I told you guys this, but, and then the Starbucks employees gave us Starbucks cards. So we got some free drinks because of that asshole. Which, by the way, I need to use that card. I don't know where I put it. I've got to find it. Okay, um, when was the last time you cried? And what were you crying about? I'm not going to tell you guys mine because it's... I tell you guys everything. I'm not telling you mine. Mine was so ridiculous. I think I was so tired. You know, when you're just... Kind of like babies or children. When you're so tired, you just... You're just crying. You're just acting ridiculous and crying over nothing. That was my last time. Um... If you're, oh, and another time there was a moment on Young and the Restless where this guy was, it's kind of a long story, but basically this guy was so drunk that he fell down at the restaurant that he was at in front of everybody, and that made me cry too. Okay, um, what was your favorite cartoon as a child? It do, and by the way, I guess kids probably don't do, it's not Saturday morning cartoons anymore. When I was a kid, for you young folk, it was uh, Saturday mornings were dedicated to cartoons on, on regular channels. So for me, my favorite, I loved Muppet Babies. <laughs> I loved Muppet Babies. I also loved, um, what were they called? I think they were called gum, the Gummy Bears. Yeah, gum, I, I remember gummy bears dancing here and there and everywhere. Something, something about gummy bears. And then um, that was it. I was always, I was, just, I was just not a cartoon kid, though. It was very rare. Unless there were animals. Like, and I guess a lot of, oh, I did like the Smurfs, though. I did really like the Smurfs. So, but I wasn't, I was never a cartoon kid, really. I mean, obviously, every kid kind of grows up with cartoons, but it was not my thing, necessarily. I was always sort of just, I don't know, really mild toward cartoons, which is so strange. Because, I mean, if you were to be, I don't know, I mean, in a weird way, it's kind of what I do for a living now. I mean, I don't make cartoons necessarily, but it's not so far from what I do. Um, okay, what else? Oh, I never told you guys. I asked you even or odd, and I think a couple of you guessed, but nobody was right. I am an odd number person. I do not like even numbers, as weird as that sounds. I set my alarm for an odd number every single morning. So, I mean, it's, as you know, it's different every single day because I'm a maniac and can't get a sleep schedule down, but... It'll always be like 6.57 or 7.29 or, you know, 8.01, never 8 o'clock. I'm very, I wouldn't call it superstitious. It's just how I am. Okay, speaking of animals, though, back to cartoons. If your life had a mascot, what would yours be? If your entire life had a mascot, what would yours be? I'm trying to think of what mine would be. Um... Like, like this is different because it's not, it's not what you want it to be. Like, I want mine to be like a cute koala bear or something like that, but that doesn't represent my life. Mine would probably be an ant or something. Just like when I, because when I think about my life, it's been spent just 
working. <laughs> you know, just like working really hard and constantly moving and delivering to this greater thing, which I, apparently is whatever this, uh, you know, big black hole is. I keep producing artwork to go into. I, I don't know. It's... Yeah, so I guess I'm going with an ant. That's just off the top of my head. And by the way, I have this great book on ants that I've only read a little bit of, and I can't wait to get into it about just the nature of ants. I think ants are, this is not why I think my life mascot is an ant. I'm not fascinating, but ants are fascinating. Um, okay, and last but not least, let's do one more question on Question Corner. What's one choice in your life you really regret? Um, I'll have to think about that one and get back to you guys. There's no doubt I have them, even though I know everybody says, you know, just no regrets. Hashtag no regrets. Um, but I, I think that you'd be a fool to think that everything you've done has been awesome. Um, I know I have regrets. I, I definitely have regrets. I, I think overall, most of the regrets are not being up front soon enough about my feelings about things when um when being treated in certain ways not necessarily bad or good just in ways that don't gel well with me i tend to not in 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 big ways in little ways i address but in in major life events types type of stuff i tend to um kind of let things slide for too long, if that makes sense. And so that's something I regret. Not being able to, to own my own feelings and opinions soon enough sometimes. Uh, I don't know. That sort of doesn't sound like me when I say it, but in, in big ways it is me. In, in most ways, I, I mean, I am always confronting my feelings, but there have been things in life that I've just kind of let go on and on and on without addressing. I think the most difficult things, you know, I, I guess that's probably typical. It's much easier to be like, I don't like this computer paper. I want this computer paper or, um, you know, I, I mean, even like, I don't like living in Los Angeles anymore. I want to live in Washington state. The, that seems like a big deal, but it's not compared to the kind of stuff I'm thinking about. And speaking of, somebody recently emailed me some questions, and one of them was, do you miss living in Los Angeles? Because some of you guys know I lived in Los Angeles for, in the Los Angeles area for almost a decade before moving to Washington State not that long ago, maybe two years ago. And my answer, Erica, who lives in Los Angeles, uh, she also recently asked me that, and you know, without, and I told her, I was like, without any offense to you or anybody who lives in Los Angeles, because I really don't mean that, because I loved it for so long when I lived there and never saw myself leaving. But um, so and I don't mean this in a rude way towards LA, but I don't miss it at all. 0.0% is how much I miss it. I really don't. I mean, I, and, and that's, I say that while I recognize just how awesome it is. It's an awesome city. It is, and I mean that in the original term, awesome. It is, you know, it inspires awe from me. Uh, not so much anymore, but it did for so long. But I, you know, my life is just so much better and so much happier and so much pe more peaceful 
And truly, it. I mean, I will say, and this is a diss to Los Angeles, I, I really, 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 really couldn't take another day of the display of self-importance everywhere. I just, I just can't do it. It, it. it ended up disgusting me. Anytime I left the house, I was just appalled at people's behavior and it, it and also, <laughs> and also a couple other things. There's a real blase attitude. Like, you know, I go up to the pharmacy counter here and they're like, hi, what can I do to help you? This seems like a normal thing. You know, like, or wherever I go, people are like, hi, what can I do for you? I mean, you don't have to be that friendly. You can even be like, hi there, what can I do for you? You know, there's my three different examples. In LA, no matter where I went, it was just like this. I wish you could see me. There's no talking. It's just staring at me. Like you walk up to the counter and they're like, deadpan stare. They're over it. They hate you. They're so bored by your existence. It's just... That is fucking disheartening to have day in, day out. And then if you do ask him a question, it's like this. I'm like, um, yeah, I was here earlier trying to pick up a prescription and you guys said that you were going to call my insurance company to see if it had been approved yet. Yeah. It's like that. It's like no response, no response. And then, uh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, so did you guys do that? Um, I don't know. Um, do you want me to check? <laughs> that'd be great. If you could check, that'd be great. And then they're, they're just disgusted and they walk away. That was almost every exchange I had in Los Angeles, California. So yeah, I don't miss it. All right. I'll talk to you guys in a second. By the way, people kind of suck in Washington too, just in a different way. Uh, I truly think that my heart can only handle the Midwest, specifically Nebraska and Iowa and Kansas and Missouri. I think those are the only places that I can really be in and feel like I'm around decency (laughs) in this country. But, you know, uh, that's because I grew up like that. I I, I don't know. To me, it, it isn't a whole lot to ask to just be pleasant to your fellow humans. It's just not. And I'm somebody who's very plagued by my own emotions all the time. However, when I'm out there with you people, you other fellow human beings, I can turn shit off to just be a good, pleasant person to you. I can do that. I'll do, I will always do that. That's the other thing. I will do it. It's a choice that I make every single day. Well, every single day that I leave the house. Anyway, I'm really on my fucking high horse right now, aren't I? Okay, y'all ready for this? You ready for one of the all-time greatest poetry moments on me reading stuff? This podcast surrounds my love for poetry and my love for reading poetry out loud to other people and sharing great poets with whoever and encouraging people to support poets, right? This is what the whole thing is, really. That's what the impetus was, anyway. And um, I can't think of any other time in the six and a half or seven, however, I think it's been six and a half years that I've been doing this. I can't think of another time I've been more psyched and excited and happy 
to read anything on here. And I really, really mean that. You guys know. Why would I, why would I make that? There's no reason to lie about this. And um, for now, there's not even a chance for you guys to get this poetry. I mean, we may have to remedy that somehow. I think this person needs to have their own book out right away, as soon as possible, really. If there's anything I can do to help make that happen, I hope that um, this poet and their representatives will let me know because I would publish this. I don't even publish anything, but I'm going to publish it. <laughs> I'm going to publish these. And the great writer slash poet slash person I am talking about is the great Graham Burnham. Now, Graham Burnham is lives in Washington state like me and is only eight years old. So that's unlike me. I'm 44 and a half. Graham is eight years old. Graham is the child of two of my friends, D.W. Burnham, who you've heard about on the podcast because he was once my sound engineer, if you may remember. <laughs> and D.W. is an artist, musician, writer, whom I love, who I love, whom? I don't, I don't have my grammar straight today, but I love D.W., and uh, he's a very important friend of mine. And Don Cerny is the other parent of Graham Burnham, who is just the most outrageously gifted artist, um, m many would say, in this entire state, and I would definitely say that. And she's just a powerhouse of a human being. And the brain on this person, well, both, all three of these people, I don't know what's going on in that household, but I need to move in for a week and see if my brain improves and if I know if I can learn grammar and proper language skills and maybe have a less hazy brain, brain to mouth ratio. Whatever is going on in my brain and what comes out in my mouth is not very brilliant. But both Don, Graham, well, both Don, DW, and Graham, all three of them, not both, all of them, are just intellectual masterminds, you know? So anyway, I am very excited about reading the poetry of Graham Burnham. Um, I have known that Graham is awesome with language for a long time. And I agree that, you know, you guys know, I read from the book, uh, hold on, it's right here. Let me grab it. I'm still here, everybody. If you guys remember, one of my all-time favorite books is Wishes, Lies, and Dreams, Teaching Children to Write Poetry by Kenneth Koch. Yeah, that's K-O-C-H, and that is on Harper. It's a Harper Collins. It, it's an imprint of Harper Collins Publishers on Harper. This book, to me, if you're going to get, well, I would, I would make a list of the top five poetry books to get, and this would be one of them. So you guys know I'm a fan of the poetry of the younger people who live on this planet. Um, and, and, you know, younger people, in my opinion, really do make better poetry. They write better poetry than most adults, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. However, they're not all great. And, in fact, it, it's... Well, all I'm trying to say is I've never read a greater younger poet in my entire life. There's just something... And also, by the way, Graham has beautiful handwriting. If uh, they allow me, I'll go ahead, and I think they will. I'll go ahead and post some photos of the actual, uh, the actual copies of these poems that DW sent me because he knew I would enjoy them. 
Uh, photos of poetry. Okay, wrote that down to remember for later because this is this is getting to be quite a long podcast since I've been recording it off and on all week. Uh, and I love that. By the way, I'm not apologizing. How do you like that? Okay, so Graham had, you know, I also know Graham kind of got me, Graham and DW got me into some of the ancient poetry, ancient Chinese poetry specifically that I've read on the podcast over the last couple of years. So I have to thank them for that. And Graham is particularly interested in, well, here, here's a quote from him. I like ancient Chinese poetry. And he, he told me that they are, he and DW together are reading the Red Pine translation of the Cold Mountain Songs on Copper Canyon Press. So, I mean, how beautiful is that? As much as I love my parents, I, I gotta say, they weren't doing shit like this with me. They just weren't. Sorry, Graham, for cussing again. See, you guys, this is why I didn't want to curse all, the whole episode. But it was, not, it was not working out for me, so I just went for it. Um, okay. He's also very, I, I know that Graham is, he just can't, his quote is, I just can't believe I get to have a poem read in public. And I would say, I can, Graham, because you're an incredible human being. And you're very gifted. And you, you know, not everybody wants attention from certain things, but you deserve attention for what you've created here. So I can believe it. I can believe it. And Graham, it's, this poetry is better than anybody else I read on here. All right. And you know what I like about Graham? He also, he thinks everybody's going to like this. That's his quote. I think everybody's going to like this. And I would say, I don't, I don't think it. I know it. I know everybody's going to like this. So without further ado, let's start with the one that I was first introduced to by DW Sending. And then we've got a couple of bonuses too. So I'm going to be reading you three poems by the great Washington State poet Graham Burnham. And that's spelled B-U-R-N-A-M. Now take a note of this name, you guys, because this isn't going to be the last time you hear of Graham Burnham. All right. Okay, the title alone. By the way, if I were to publish this book, this would be the title of the book, okay? The title of this poem is The Thing That Got My Fun by Graham. This got my fun. It has no came or have. We see like home out in play. At little now, read, go get here, eat, make, and more on all your heart. I mean, are you kidding me? I know I read Mark Strand earlier in the podcast, but even Mark Strand, I would say this if he were still alive, Mark Strand, you ain't got nothing on Graham Burnham, okay? He just, he just destroyed you with this poem. The thing that got my fun by Graham. This got my fun. It has no came or have. We see like home out in play. At little now, read, go get here, eat, make, and more on all your heart. I mean, I, I can't take it. It's so good. Now, continuing with the word fun, here is a poem called Just Fun. I also love, by the way, if Graham's listening, Graham, I like how you title your poems. Not everybody titles their poems, and I really appreciate a titled poem. What do you guys think out there? 
Titled poems, yes or no? I say yes. And Graham's got some good titles here. All right. This is Fun by Graham. And this one is so gorgeously written. I, I, gotta, I gotta show you guys how it's written. There's a, it's, it almost looks, I, I don't know. You, you can tell he's working things out and changing things a bit. Okay, Fun by Graham. We play now, if this my home. Oh, no, I messed it up, let's go back. Fun by Graham. We play now, if this all is my home. I'm not your fun. Take hand so up in little they run or read into say. Whoa, I'm sorry, I kind of didn't read that very well. Let's try it again. This is one of these that is so, um, it's just so unique. It's got a, a very strange rhythm to it, which I really like. And, and, it's, and I'm finding it challenging to read out loud in the best of ways. Okay, so Fun by Graham. We play now. If this all is my home, I'm not your fun. Take hand, so up in little they run or read in to say. Boom, nailed it, right, Graham? Right? I nailed that one, finally. This is so, oh God. I love life sometimes. All right, here is, it kind of breaks my heart to say this. This is the third and final poem of Graham Burnham for today. But again, we're going to be hearing more. And on this one, I can see the impressions of a drawing underneath and what looks to be a flag with a sun on it. A little flag in the ground with a sun on it and some people around it. So if that means anything to you, I just thought I would notate that for everybody. All right. Now this one, I'm reading this one last for a reason. And you'll have to figure out that reason for yourself. Here we go. The title, If Love Were You by Graham. Love is always fair. Every dream that you have, you see her. The woo, the grace, Mary, nothing wicked. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm flabbergasted. I'm in awe. Now, I've said this many times. What do I want art to do to me? I want it to jar me out of understanding. I want it to put me in awe. I want to be in disbelief that I just experienced it, and that's exactly what this poem is doing to me. You know, I just drop it on the desk. I mean, it's only printed out copies, so it's not a book, or I'd throw it against the wall, but right now I'm just dropping it like this. You hear that? Dropping it again. We're going to read this one one more time. If Love Were You by Graham. Love is always fair. Every dream that you have, you see her. The woo. Grace. Mary. Nothing wicked. Nothing wicked. Nothing wicked. Graham, number one, I love you. Graham, number two, you're a massively gifted young child. And I'm so glad to DW and Don. Sometimes I look at people, I'm like, you know, as much as I don't understand why people procreate, I'm so glad that these two did it because we have Graham Burnham on planet Earth now. You know, 
I really, I really do love kids. I give, I give people who have kids a hard time sometimes. And now I'm a stepmom, so I, I, I've stopped doing that quite as readily. <laughs> but I still don't understand having kids. That's just the truth. But I know a lot of parents who don't understand having kids who openly admit that. But it truly, I, I will say, I kind of act tougher than I am. I love kids. I think kids are definitely the greatest humans on the planet normally. Sometimes they drive me crazy. Okay. But for the most part, kids are, kids are the best. They're better than us adults. They just are. And I really am. I mean, both DW and Don are so wonderful and so interesting and so thoughtful that I'm just thrilled. I know them. I'm thrilled. I know this family. Um, I live up here in Washington. I live pretty far from them, but I wish I could see them, you know, and I just, I just can't. And COVID happened after I moved and it's been, I mean, we'll make a, we'll remedy that. I hope I'd love to see Graham again. It's been so long since I've seen Graham and I really, yeah. So this is my proposal, just a, just a proposal that we got to get this book made, uh, a Graham book, Graham Burnham poetry book. You guys, I think that's all I have. I, I, I want to say that tomorrow, Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas, by the way. Happy holidays, whatever it is you celebrate. I'm, I'm right here with you celebrating it. Not really, I'm not celebrating much, but um, <laughs> I'm excited that you guys are. There's a lot of like taking off of work right now, getting the last email sent, and I'm just like, I'm just gearing up to do some more work. But I think I told you, I am taking Christmas Eve, half of Christmas Eve off and all of Christmas Day off. And so I think I already mentioned that, but, and I'm very reluctant about it, but I'm gonna do it. And um, tomorrow, what I'm trying to say is tomorrow, I will announce the winner of the uh, contest of who wins a drawing. So, and that drawing will be delivered to your address uh, sometime in January. So tune in for that. I'm gonna do it at 4 p.m. tomorrow. In fact, let me write that down so I remember. I just made that up, 4 p.m. That's Pacific Standard Time on Christmas Eve. I will draw the winner from some sort of hat or container. Very excited about doing that. I'll do that straight from the studio here. What else do I have? You guys know, I'll put a link again so that you can find that hotel drawing t-shirt at Inman Gallery. And other than that, you guys can always follow me on Instagram where I will post a photo of Henry, my dog and a photo of my abacus and photos of uh, Graham's poems. And you can find me at Robin underscore O'Neill. Sorry about that underscore, totally annoying, I know, but somebody else got the name first. So it's at R-O-B-Y-N underscore O-N-E-I-L. Can you guys tell I'm feeling all right? Feeling all right, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night and you are all right. We shall find peace. We shall hear angels. We shall see the sky sparkling with diamonds. That's Anton Chekhov. I'm Robin O'Neill. I'll talk to you guys one more time before the end of the year. I can't go on. I will go on. That's Samuel Beckett. Um, and what would I say? I would say, get the hell out of here. I got shit to do. You guys go about your business. Have a great Christmas. Great holiday, great time off. I love you all, and thank you so much to Graham Burnham. Have a good one, you guys.